the College of Veterinarians of Ontario welcomes you to our podcast, Let's Talk CVO. Through conversations with our partners, we explore components of the regulation of veterinary medicine in Ontario and present details on various college tools and resources that support professionalism in veterinary medicine. The college works collaboratively with key partners to support a healthy veterinary profession and accessible animal care in Ontario. We hope you enjoy today's presentation. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the College's podcast. I am Kim Lambert, the Associate Registrar for Quality Practice at the College. We always try to bring you interesting topics that help you to better understand the College's work to manage the risks in the practice of veterinary medicine in Ontario. One of the key ways we do that is through a broad range of policy documents. Policy documents are one of the most fundamental tools the College engages to help the public and the profession to understand the expectations that are contained in the Veterinarians Act, which is the profession's governing legislation. During today's podcast, we will be discussing the various types of policy documents that the college has, and then we will consider how veterinarians and their teams can access these documents and make use of them in their practice. Joining me today are a couple of my colleagues who work closely with the college's policy documents. Dr. Susan Sabatini is one of the college's practice advisors. Welcome, Susan. Thank you, Kim. I'm happy to participate in the podcast and I'm looking forward to our chat today. That's great. Thank you, Susan. We will be connecting back with you again momentarily. First, I would like to introduce Sarah Kirby, the college's senior policy and project specialist. Sarah contributes to the development of the college's policy documents. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Kim. It's great to be here. I'm always game to talk about policy and how the college's policy tools can help the veterinary profession and members of the public to understand the expectations. When developing policy documents, the college's council is attentive to the clarity, readability, and usability of their content. That's very true, Sarah. I think that it's easy to be intimidated by policy documents and perhaps underestimate how helpful they can be. I certainly understand why people would be hesitant to read the Veterinarians Act itself, while important, legislation can contain difficult wording and that makes it, can be, make it difficult to interpret. But the standards and policy guidance are actually quite practical references. Sarah, can you please explain the various types of policy documents the College has available? Absolutely. The College's Council regularly revises existing documents as well as introduces new policy guidance. Our policy documents are designed to increase the clarity of the College's expectations of all veterinarians. I'll begin with professional practice standards, which state the generally accepted behaviors for a particular aspect of a veterinarian's work. They contain criteria that are seen to be essential to competent ethical practice. Professional practice standards reflect the current values of the profession. As living documents, they are updated as practice evolves. The practice standards are an essential element of profession-based regulation as they provide the yardstick against which professional behaviors might be measured. Regulatory colleges develop and maintain the standards of a profession in several broad categories of professional activity, including knowledge and skill, qualification, practice, and professional ethics. By looking at a professional practice standard, veterinarians are able to confirm what is expected of them in various situations. As the standards are outcome-based, not rules-based, they clarify responsibilities enabling the individual professional to decide how they can best meet the standard. The public is also able to review the standards to understand the essential expectations for veterinarians. 
That's great, Sarah. Thank you for providing such detail on the standards. They are the most common college policy document and cover essential aspects of practicing veterinary medicine, such as medical records, the veterinary and client-patient relationship, prescribing and dispensing drugs, informed consent, just to name a few. Sarah, I wonder if you could provide our listeners with an overview of how a standard is developed. For sure. Council consistently reviews trends in veterinary medicine and identifies an area where the public interest would be well served with a standard to clarify a veterinarian's professional responsibilities. College staff conduct a preliminary research on the topic and prepare a draft for Council's consideration. Once Council is satisfied with the draft standard, the document is circulated for public consultation. Feedback gained in the consultation is really helpful for finalizing the standard and that input is often used in developing a guide to the standard. Council sincerely appreciates the members of the public and the profession who take the time to provide input during consultations. Once Council approves the standard, it is published and shared with veterinarians. As I said, many of the college's professional practice standards are accompanied by a guide which may provide answers to common questions on the topic and provide guidance in various scenarios. That was a very quick overview of the process and of course, these are living documents and are regularly reviewed by Council for any necessary updates to ensure that they are current and relevant. Thank you, Sarah. That is a really helpful overview of the process. I wonder if you can tell us about policy statements and position statements. Sure. A policy statement describes how the college interprets existing legislation and what the college will do or how it will react in certain circumstances. And a position statement states the position taken by the college's counsel on a topical or controversial matter to clarify an issue for the public and members without dictating clinical practice requirements. For example, the college has policy statements on topics such as the sale of non-drug veterinary products, criminal record checks, and the use of forms of energy in the treatment and or care of animals. Position statements can be found on animal welfare, pain management, and medically unnecessary veterinary surgery. The last type of document I will mention is the legislative overview, which describes the expectations of a veterinarian found in legislation other than the Veterinarians Act. Examples of legislative overviews would be the document on mandatory reporting, which details various pieces of legislation which require a veterinarian to report, and also the legislative overview on rabies, which describes the requirements veterinarians are expected to meet in both federal and provincial legislation. Sarah, thank you so much for providing our listeners with this thorough review of the types of policy documents that the college has. Thanks, Kim. It's been my pleasure. I just wanted to remind everyone that all of the college's current policy documents are published on the college's website in the resources section. Thank you, Sarah. Now I'm going to invite Susan back into our conversation. Susan is a licensed veterinarian who is also a practice advisor with the college. Susan, as a practice advisor, you constantly review the college's policy documents and often take a deeper dive into the college's standards to provide answers to the many questions that the practice advisory service receives from members of the public, veterinarians and their teams about the practice of veterinary medicine. I'm wondering what surprised you when you started looking at the documents more closely? That's a great question, Kim. I think veterinarians naturally expect the rules to be complex and challenging to understand, but they really are far more straightforward than I expected. 
In many cases, the expectations reflect what veterinarians are already doing in their practices. By reading through the standards, I expect veterinarians will uncover opportunities to tweak their practices and those steps will be in support of the public's access to safe quality veterinary medicine, which is what we all strive to deliver. I would encourage everyone to take a look at the standards as part of their time dedicated to continuing professional development. That's a great suggestion. Susan, what would be your recommendations for a must-read list of standards and policy documents? Actually, all of them would be my recommendation. I think if you're new to reading standards or perhaps new to veterinary practice in Ontario, I'd start with the medical records standard and guide. We can always be more attentive to the quality and accuracy of our records. The college also offers uh, learning modules which support medical record keeping. There are standards and guides for prescribing a drug and dispensing a drug. These are key areas of practice that we often receive questions about in practice advice. Drug management is an incredibly important part of every veterinarian's practice. Understanding the expectations and responsibilities of the veterinarian-client-patient relationship is something that frequently comes up in practice advice, so that standard and guide would be a, pr a priority for reading as well. Informed client consent would also qualify for the must-read list, and there's also a learning module exploring that topic as well. Those are some of the key documents, but I think once you start reading the standards, you'll find them informative and helpful and want to read more of them. Other topics you'll find include telemedicine, use of non-conventional therapies, veterinary euthanasia, ownership disputes, the code of ethics, and animal welfare. Thanks, Susan. I definitely agree with the documents you identified as being essential reads. It's also important to check back regularly as the college policies are living documents and are revised regularly. When a standard is approved by council, it is published on the college's website and also circulated to licensed veterinarians through the college newsletters. I know many of our colleagues like to print the standard off from the website so they have a handy reference binder. My suggestion is to ensure your binder is updated regularly with the latest version of the documents. Just going back to something Sarah mentioned earlier, many of the college's professional practice standards are accompanied by a guide, which include answers to common questions on the topic. Susan, I wonder if you could explain the difference between the pro professional practice standards and the guides, and how the guides assist veterinarians in applying the standards. Uh, yes, of course. When you look at a professional practice standard, you'll find a brief introduction followed by any relevant definitions and then the bulk of the document lists the expectations of veterinarians to meet the standard. The guide's a much different document. Although it also includes a brief introduction, it's then followed by several commonly asked questions and their answers in relation to the topic. This may include descriptions of various scenarios or examples which can help provide clarity for veterinarians veterinary staff members and the public. These guides are also regularly reviewed and updated to ensure that they are reflecting the types of questions that veterinarians have about the standards. They are also updated when a standard gets revised. That's great. Thank you, Susan, for sharing your insight into the college's policy documents. My pleasure. And as always, the college's practice advice team is available to assist anyone seeking information related to the regulations policy and expectations associated with the practice of veterinary medicine in Ontario. The service is free and confidential and supports veterinarians in providing quality care and service and assists the public with understanding a veterinarian's professional obligations. You can connect with us 
at practiceadvice at cvo.org, or if you want to give us a call, we're at 1-800-424-2856, extension 2401. Thanks, Susan. I hope that our listeners have enjoyed our podcast discussion on how you can make use of the college's various policy documents, and I hope we have inspired you to take a look at the documents that are available. As mentioned, all current policy documents are available in the resources section of the college website, which is at cvo.org. Please contact the college if you have any questions. Thank you for tuning in.